Hello everybody and welcome to a thawed out Dallas, Texas. And um, I am very grateful that we were able to survive the great freeze of last week and um, be in the uh, 70s for the past couple of days. And I assume that it's going to be that way again today. Um, it's uh, it's funny to watch the national media who try to stem up crises and divisions in just about everything. Yesterday I watched a snippet on the natural national news, and they were interviewing a guy who was. Uh, Oh gosh, what was what was it that he was doing? He was here in Texas, and they were talking about the restoration of um, power. And um, they were interviewing this guy, and he was standing in South Texas, and it was warm. He had a short sleeve shirt on, and and uh, at the end of the at the end of the interview, the the moderator from the studio said, "Thank you for reporting from Chile, Texas." And I thought get off it this is texas weather we were zero last week we're at 72 today we're no longer chilly and uh, this crisis is uh, being recovered from and it's over so uh, we want to thank all of you for praying for us there were some really unique days here and we did have to suspend some of the ways we normally minister over the internet because really it was perilous to drive for a little while but um, thank you for your prayers and um, Monica survived uh, a pipe freezing that's awful yeah you don't you don't realize how dependent how dependent we are on our modern conveniences until we are without. And so being without water for six days in my house was quite interesting <laughs> on so many different levels. And But we did survive and the Lord was in it. And it's really interesting because Finally, on Saturday, I think I was four days into not showering, and I thought, I can't do this. And I was coming up here for the morning prayer time, and I thought, no, I'll just wait until the throng leave, and I'll go up there, and I'll shower, and then I'll go and pray. And, and then the Lord led me to, to speak about the gushing of water on Sunday morning, and by, by the time we got home from church, the plumber who had, we had been waiting for for six days desperately asking him calling him every single day called and said i'm on my way and literally in less than 20 minutes the problem was fixed it's not completely fixed but we have running water and so i'm telling you the first time i went upstairs into my bathroom and i i will say i was going to say i washed my hands but the first time i actually flushed the toilet i felt the glory just enter into my bathroom <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I mean, it's like literally for like 24 hours, whenever I would turn the water on, whether it would be to take a bath, take a shower, wash my hands, flush the toilet, I was just, I, I cannot even express my gratitude just to have running water. And so I, sometimes I search myself and ask the Lord if I'm, if I'm really ready for anything. <laughs> and I just don't know. He's getting us there. It could be, I just kept thinking, it could be so much worse. It can always be worse, so I'm thankful. Yeah, I was, I was very grateful that the church facility actually was on unscathed uh, because um, you know I've been here a long time and I know that there are certain trouble spots when we do have a, a deep freeze which doesn't happen that often and so we tried to uh, gird up the place for that but uh, I'm just grateful we didn't have any uh, emergencies here that was a real miracle in that respect and like you said um, this neighborhood is notorious for losing losing power and somehow that was um, avoided I don't know how other than the miracle power of the Lord but it was avoided so um, yeah we um, they told us to keep our thermostats down at like 62 because there was like a power, it, it was just an overage. I mean, they couldn't handle the, everybody cranking their heaters up to, and with an old house like this, and with this old house, this this house, this church, I mean, I, our insulation is not good. <laughs> no, our insulation <laughs> is non-existent. It is, yeah, and that's <laughs> pretty a lot much of places. with my house too. And so it was, I mean, it was cold. I had both my fish literally like sitting right in front of the fireplace so they didn't die and Noah had come in only for two two and a half days but he ended up staying for about five days because his flights kept get can getting canceled and they wouldn't let me turn any of the lights on so and they wouldn't they, they wanted all all the drapes closed because to keep out the cold and they had all the lights off and I was just I can't do this so I'm just pulling all the shades back and letting the light in and and the sunshine in and when nobody's looking, turning a light on here and turning a light on there because <laughs> the light is going to penetrate this darkness. I just know it. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. So it's just what a what a strange series of events we have lived through. Maybe it froze out the COVID. Maybe. They said that the summer heat was going to do that, but look how that worked. <laughs> Maybe it froze out. I don't know. It was it was interesting, but then even in the spirit realm, I mean, it was it was really a unique few days. So, and I know that over the course of, of time, the Lord will begin to un, or to develop the film and give us more and more insight as to what some of these things mean prophetically 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting to to um, in this year of the prophet to navigate the various things that we're being asked to do by the Lord, and many of them utilize skills that he's been highlighting over the years, but in this, they're being required in different ways and in different applications and different pathways that we're, than we're used to. And, you know, you're, you're trying to serve him. You're trying to survive. You're trying to process where the Spirit may be directing you by means of instruction and explanation in the Scripture. And then you're dealing with influences that, beyond the demand, influences that I think have been held, opposition influences that have been held back until this time. Um, and it's, it's, as you said, I mean, it's been a very extreme time frame and you know like what we know about winter is that it's a time of beginning and this is the most extreme winter event that I can remember in here in 40 years um, I think 1983 was the last time I remember something like this or similar to this happening and um, I remember driving to the church. I was a staff member then. And at that time, so many of the underground water mains were bursting open. And immediately then the water would just freeze on the road and it would become like an ice rink. And you could be going along and all of a sudden there you are in, um, on an iceberg. And this was happening everywhere. I mean, it wasn't just, oh, you know, watch out for over there at Mockingbird and Abrams. I mean, it was everywhere. And um, I remember coming into the sanctuary, watching a lot of people just bundled, bundled, bundled up. And our heater wasn't wor heaters weren't working right. And those walls that you said have no insulation, which is true, were just like sitting in a deep freeze. But that was 40 years ago. And, um, I, I just wonder what that portends for in the spirit realm. And then all those robins. And then, you know, the, the, um, the various aspects of what's been happening in, the, in intercession and in the spirit realm. And, you know, I... I'm still trying to get a handle on a particular dimension of enemy opposition uh, that seems to just has been active, prominently active for a year, but it kind of went away or um, maybe it was doing something else for several months, but over this past couple times it's kind of like ambush and um, I've got to I've got to find a clarity I've got 
we've got some scriptural understanding of it, but it's not complete, and you don't want to you don't want to say something, then have to add corrections militarily. That's a recipe for disaster. But through it all, though, the Lord is wonderful, and um, I thank Him for His patience. And you know, I, I'm just speaking for me. I don't know whether you feel this way. I just feel so, with all the things the Lord has given us and shown us, and he's given and shown us a lot, you just go through these times where the wearing out of the, the, wearing out of the saints, you just feel expended and you feel, um, you feel exposed and you feel like you you just can't go on. Um, even to stand, which we we've learned how to do. You just it's in the stand. You're looking for ways to to dig deeper and survive an onslaught. And um, I do. I. I think that, you know, so often it's like at different different stages of this walk and the development where God has us, we do revisit principles that are, that we know, that we've learned, that we've been established in. And I, you know, you just said that about the standing and I, it's funny because that's something that's that's kind of been resonating in my spirit, and I I, I think about the the waters in Ezekiel in forty seven, and I think about the waters to the ankles, and and I remember when I was reading that, or even when I was in the middle of having this dream that I had that was very that was likened to Ezekiel forty seven that being in this house and and standing in those waters that were to my ankles. It's, it's, it's as we go deeper is because if you relate that to the mystery, if you relate that to the bathos, if you relate that to really our call as intercessors in the house of the Lord to, to partner in, in the unveiling of the mystery, which is what we're doing. And if we don't think that is going to be heightened in these days ahead because the Lord not only wants us to partner there faithfully, but he wants us not only... To, I mean, he wants us to interpret and to understand and to be able to apply and to teach and, and all those kinds of things to equip the, the army and going forth. And I, I think that there's something for us right now in our stand. And as, as we are going forward, is, it gonna, is that going to be contested? Is the enemy contesting that right now? Because I can tell you personally, over the last couple of days, I've not wanted to stand. I've wanted to run. <laughs> and I don't mean like run the race. I mean like run. I mean like, and, and I know I'm not, I am speaking to the choir because we all have those thoughts. And the Lord just keeps saying, you stand, you stand where I've placed you. And so I do wonder if there's some, there is some stability or some something that he's doing in that so when the waters do rise and we do start probing the deeper and deeper and deeper things that no man has ever known i mean just like jesus said no 
that no ear has heard, no eye has seen, you know, the things that God is revealing. And so I, I, I do think that that's something that we should consider is, um, you know, don't let the enemy make you wobble, wobble over, or God forbid, run the other way because um, there's something so, it's, it's just necessary. You can't do anything. It's like parrotting and parrotting. You cannot parrot unless you're, you cannot parrot, you, you cannot parrot, wait, you cannot parrot unless you're parrotting. Yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. No, that's excellent. And I, I, I think too that it's just the Lord is beginning to reveal things in different ways. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a challenging to our, to our system, you know, to our, our makeup and the way that we're used to doing things and the way we're used to hearing from him and the way we're used to seeing him and the way that we're used to even in our intercession perceiving. And I remember how many times being deep in intercession in the sanctuary in the midst of a diver's intercession time and just feeling this incredible flow of the spirit and then all of a sudden I see almost like this curtain, this little crack in the curtain opens and I see the dark, you know, I see, I see just a glimpse or a, just a sliver of the opposition or even the enemy. And, and it's always like kind of a startling thing, but that's how these last seven days have been. It's like, literally guys, our city was so beautiful. I mean. I mean, it was just so beautiful. You could look out the window and just, it was just so pretty and so clean and so pure and so white and just the snow falling and just, just quiet and almost like surreal. But I kept seeing like almost like this curtain and this crack in the curtain and almost like the enemy was watching. And it, I just, I couldn't shake it. And so... I don't know. I mean, I I wish that I was more savvy. <laughs> but like I told you earlier, I feel like the Lord is re is revealing things through all of this. It's just like a puzzle and we just have to take note of the things that he shows us and and make sure maybe in this year of the prophet, maybe we do. We need to to make a log and and just journal the things that God is showing to the body and then I don't know I'm rambling here now but I learned from Well this. no no I think that's I think that's a that's a wise uh, mandate um and and I think I'm I'm trying to learn this but so much of what the enemy tactic is right now is um uh, going after potential points of iniquitous reaction mm -hmm. in us. Mm -hmm. And in order to truly survive in the time where the false prophet is there, we have to apply being dead. And it's not just a defining thing. It's not just the things that we've 
spoken and taught about this, you know, so that you can embrace this thing. You've got to die to self so that you can, you know, make sure your word is pure or to demonstrate humility to God um, so that he can give to you a fresh word or so that the seed might live. You have to die. All of those things are true, but I, I guess I never really viewed dying martyria as a defensive measure, as a survival measure before. Maybe you have, but I haven't. And it's it's like when when the situation comes against you, you have to climb on the altar and die, but you have to get there. Uh, why would God say, you know, presenting yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service? You know, how how can you do that? What, that? That whole concept doesn't make sense because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice. So why would we be, I, there's one thing to die prophetically, there's another thing for us to be a sacrifice. Because the whole concept of sacrifice should have been fulfilled um, through Christ. You know, why are you offering a sacrifice? His perfect sacrifice has covered it all. And, you know, we offer incense, and you mentioned that on Sunday, but um, that is on a different altar. You know, you don't crawl up on the incense altar. So that whole concept of being a sacrifice so you can prove that good and acceptable thing um, is is almost I don't know how do I say this it's almost goes against the um, the concept of this, the sacrifice of Christ to me because to me when you die to self, just in the in the standard prophetic thing, just to me, to me that's, I guess it's technically a sacrifice, but to me it's more of a, it's more of a, a regimen. It's more of a, okay, you're going to run up this hill? All right, gird it up, because this is what you got to do. But the concept of sacrifice to me is different. It just seems different. It feels different. And so what are you exactly sacrificing? You're not sacrificing for sin. Um, no, you kind of, I mean, he he went to the cross and, and took care of our sins, but we still have, we, we still have a sin nature. Yeah, but is that, is that, is that atoned for by your sacrifice or by his? Well, I mean, the scripture says you offer yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And we talked about this on Sunday. It's like it is a intelligent choice that you make to get up on that altar. And it's a burnt sacrifice. So that means it's the whole shebang. It's your whole self so that your whole perspective is conformed to him, to his agenda, to his his perfect will, which is what he says. And then be not conformed to this world, but be renewed 
And, and so I think that it's what is necessary so that our minds and our hearts are renewed and, and we take upon the mind of Christ. We take upon his way, his will, his agenda, his purpose, his plan. And otherwise, we're half dead, half alive. Or our flesh is fully alive. And you talk about just it being for survival. I have felt that so many times very at a per, very personal level where I feel whenever I feel like my flesh is rising up, you know, my my rights, my this, my that, but what about this and what about that? That's usually when God gets me and says, none of that stuff matters, Monica. <laughs> none of that stuff matters. You need to go to the altar and you need to let that stuff, you, you've got to die. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So, yeah, you know, I've, I'm looking at this in Romans 12, <clears throat> and we've, we've quoted it two, three times here. But as soon as, um, you, you know, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, um, as soon as, um, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Are we not seeing on a grand scale in our nation this emphasis to get people conformed? And, um, and, and it really attacks your mind in the way you have to think. It's your perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's something the enemy's trying to work in that. And that is in conjunction, that, that, that concept is in conjunction with the living sacrifice business. So to me, like I, like I said a few minutes ago, this enemy influence is really attacking vulnerabilities, iniqui iniquitous vulnerabilities in our perceptions and in, in the way we react and, and in our vulnerabilities. And it's, it's relentless. And I don't know. See, it all fits together here some way. It's, there's not one clear cut. It's like a prism. Not a prison, but a prism. And all of these factors are detailing what it means for us to walk successfully through this prophetic time frame. And perspective is true, but I have to be, and I know I mentioned it a lot on Sunday, but just from a personal standpoint, I can have the right perspective and I know it's dead on and still miss it when it comes to this it's like you think okay i see that i know exactly what it is <laughs> you know it's a strange thing and it's it's that wearing out that um i think was mentioned by pastor vicky in the voices broadcast um, but it's that wearing out that was prophesied by Daniel, and we're seeing it. You know, we've taught, taught about it, how it's a wearing thin, 
and it's making something threadbare where you just become, you know, just paper thin. But there's more to it than that. It's, it's, it's something intrinsic in the depth of the spirit realm, and it's, it touches something inside you that you can't really put your finger on. But it's the fabric of who you are. And um, so, yeah, we can get worn out with this thing and that thing. And, you know, what, this again, you know, I'm just so tired of this. And all those things are there. But this core wearing, the wearing of the core is a very interesting thing. And I wonder if that stress of conforming and whatever that is that the enemy is targeting in you, if that's not what you lay up on this altar, because to whatever degree that has not manifested itself in the way it's manifesting itself before. And so you have a whole fresh thing to lay up there before the Lord and on the on the the other end of it is the is the world trying to get you to conform and um but you really are sacrificing something that is living or manifesting for the first time or does that make sense so you really couldn't have sacrificed it except it, perhaps in theory up to this point because it really had not been activated yet. And um, I do recognize, and I, I'm sure you do, that there are influences and the way we're having to deal with them and overcome them and learn. You mentioned the, the to do to do and to teach it's all it's old but it's new and it kind of reminds me of when we were teaching uh last seminar on the thesaurus and it says the scribe of the kingdom of heaven has to take out of the thesaurus those things that are old and kinos and so we are dealing with things that we know that have become treasured before the Lord, but also having to process the kainos, a new thing. And when God does a new thing, I will do a new thing, says the Lord. There is usually that it creates a window for a new strategy of the enemy. And so to me, that you know, and, and I wonder, um, I'm going back to the scripture again here, which is always a good thing to do. Um, being living is Zao, and so that's creative, that's life-giving, and perhaps it's our spirit breathing in a new way, uh, according to the timetable of the Lord. I don't know. 
throwing out a lot of nuts and bolts here. How's uh how's that resonating out in Radio Land? Um, but you know, again, I mean, you 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 can you kind of sense something come to life, a new a new opposition, a new reaction, a new response. You know what you're supposed to do, but this thing is manifesting and it's a it's a panoply of new challenges and pioneering. And sometimes, you know, you just let the critter run around for a while because you really don't know what to do with it. And... Uh, Sometimes you don't want to kill the thing because it may be something that you're supposed to restrain and train because <laughs> it's you. But maybe that's maybe that's the the principle of the sacrifice. The sacrifice that wasn't done was Abram and Isaac. It was done, but it wasn't done. Maybe maybe there's some things that we present before God that he says, "Okay, you're willing to let this die." Now, let me show you how I'm going to fulfill my promise through it. It's not going to die. I'm going to provide something over here. But then there are some things where we just have to say, okay, enough, and you stop. And then there are some things where you just say, no, not, not this isn't happening. But that, that, that business of the sacrifice is just resonating in me. Because again, it's like if you've not seen the mark before, then and you've never had to target the mark. When you see the mark for the first time, and you have to hit it, and your aim is off, then that has to be presented. It's really not even a measure of you sinning. It's a measure of you. I've never really thought of it this way before. Because to me, you know, there are some, some things in missing Hamartia that you miss the mark that is really not a measure of you being disobedient or failing the Lord. It's just that, man, this thing pops up and you shot and you missed it. God doesn't view your learning curve as a sin, even though it's missing the mark. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you do something, I'm, I don't know this because I've never been to work out with you. But if you're doing something for the first time, I'm sure you don't do it right every time the first time. So does that make you a sinner or do you get the opportunity to overcome and defeat that even though you missed the mark? You didn't do it right. Because hamartia doesn't mean that you're, doesn't necessarily mean, now yes, you can miss the mark of what God says, thus says me, you don't do this and you do it anyway. That's, that's a sin. That is a missing the mark. By, by volition 
But if you miss the mark because <clears throat> some scallywag in the spirit realm pops up and, and it surprises you and it's gone and you think, man, I didn't see that coming. Is that really a classic measure of sin that you need forgiveness for? Or is that something that you think this thing is up to no good? I didn't deal with it right. I need to get on the altar and submit this to God. I don't know. It's a different, it's a weird concept. You're kind of reading my mail in a lot of ways because I just feel like I've been living this just in vivid color for for a while now, and maybe from the beginning we all have. But it's 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 just like I feel like the Lord is allowing things for us to encounter things that are challenging that we want to have a tendency to react and respond to in an ungodly way through emotion through anger through you know whatever you want you might say rather than immediately seeing it and getting on the altar with it and 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 aligning yourself with it because what i've found is in so many instances just over the course of the last couple of weeks or i'll say since the beginning of January, where I've been confronted with things and, and I recognize that he's trying me. He's trying me in the fire. He's trying, he's working my patience. He's trying me to, to hone my reactions and to get me into a place where, like in the army, I respond to my commander Regardless, I don't even have a second thought. It is an immediate alignment. And there's not even any room for me to, to miss the mark. But that process has been very real. And, and, and thankfully, God has brought us along, and we don't like to be, we don't like that feeling of, it's not separation from God, but when you sin, you separate. You know, it's, it's that feeling of I've, I've missed it or it's just not a good feeling because you know what I'm talking about. And so it, I just feel like, you know, we could say it's do and teach for me in a lot of ways. It's like what the prophets had to endure, the prophets of old when they had to identify themselves with the horrific sins of the people that they were representing and, and the Lord allowed them to, to have a taste of it and how many of them reacted and how many of them didn't, you know, it, it's, it's the reaction. And so all I'm trying to say is I feel like there's a fire there. You can liken it to the altar, but sometimes it's, it takes the processing to actually get up on that altar and say, oh, wow, this has got to die. I shouldn't have responded that way. But I mean, just think about Moses. Just think about striking the rock. Just think about the multitude, uh, Elijah, in his situation, just let me die. I mean, it's like that, it's like we're almost like in that place again, 
and 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 so I just feel like I'm constantly being put in the fire for my faith to be tried and for just for me to be refined and and so that I guess maybe at the end of this <laughs> when we come through this we will be refined I, I I don't know pastor I just know that so many of the things that have that are said just they ping me because it's just like yeah that's that that's right that's where it's like we're walking it we are living this testimony we are walking as witnesses and and and, and our lives are that very thing this isn't we're not just here by I mean we're not here flippantly just frolicking through life every single moment is ordained and sacred before the Lord and every reaction and everything he allows you to experience and I mean it's just gotten there and so it's it's very uncomfortable but like I said I mean you surrender yourself you put yourself on that altar and there's not a better place to be because like we talked about on Sunday I mean that's the place that yields pure worship and and pure intercession and in true partnership with what's happening in heaven and and the release of the voices thunders lightnings and earthquakes and and everything that he's taught us about it's just you know you wonder why are we here now because it's the year of the prophet i guess so we're doing a lot of just I guess this is just kind of raw conversation, just kind of working through, and I hope that our listeners <laughs> can appreciate this because it's almost like sharing spiritual things with spiritual and just letting the spirit speak. Yeah. So. <clears throat> well, those are those are terrific thoughts, um, and I, and I wonder about the whole concept of martyria anyway because yeah you die yes you're willing to die but you also have that frame of being able to give an account for what you've experienced what you've learned eyewitness and um why you why you've done what you've done and um what you stand for there's a verbalization of that so it's not just, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy or they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That word of their testimony is not just us spouting a bunch of scriptures or what we heard brother so-and-so teach in the latest rage to hit the Internet. It's, it's our data that God has shown and that we've learned through the process of um, walking under the power of the blood. I mean, you know, we started declaring the blood of Jesus over over all of us uh, every day back when the pandemic hit. And we were functioning, don't get me wrong, we, we functioned with the sprinkling of the blood. I mean, that's a treasure from God for Christians. But I um, I wonder if it's, even though the pandemic led us there, 
I wonder if it's not been uh, nature proclaiming the glory of God where we've done that. God didn't tell us, you're going to have all these crazy things that we've just talked about, you know. In fact, this past year, we had an entirely different agenda on the table that all was upended. And I didn't expect there to be um, what you said, what's what's been happening this year. Um, and But the blood of the Lamb has been a daily declaration over our lives for the purpose of overcoming the enemy. Not, not just to have the doorpost and lintels in the pandemic season for provision and for health and life, but for overcoming the enemy, for overcoming the accuser of the brethren, for even being able to remain provided for and vibrant in the midst of the onslaught. I think that, and I know this sounds self-serving for all of us as saints, but I think when we get to heaven and we are given the privilege, if we even care at that point, to understand what the tactics of the enemy were during this time frame, I think we're going to be astounded. I, th I think it's so much more than what we realize and were it not for the grace of God and our mission and our calling and his blood and our being willing to die in accordance to his logos, we would be destroyed. And, and I, I don't think we, we fully recognize the, the dynamic of the mobilization of the enemy here in this end time. It's not that we're afraid, but you, you feel like he feels so worthless and so ineffective when you talk about this kind of stuff. When we probably should be thinking in every battle, every hero, every person of courage felt the same way. And the thing that separated them from cowards is the cowards ran away. And they weren't some Sergeant York that emerged and was a national hero they just stood and and i think i want to do a 30-yard run downfield i want to have major breakthrough i i'm tired of this but i think that standing and holding on and partnering with the lord through his power and surviving you remember, we've said this before in the past many times, that perhaps the greatest weapon we have in warfare is the stand. <coughs> it's not really the breakthrough. And I'm, I'm separating. I didn't say the greatest gift. <laughs> we know the greatest gift is agape. But the greatest weapon in the, the in the framework of militaria is us saying yes sir and holding the ground that he's given to us and and I think that even though it feels ridiculous and you feel like 
man, I should be out there doing an end run right now. I should be, we should be breaking through on every front, which we kind of are. But we just don't realize that's what's happening. Now, it's difficult for me to say that because it sounds self-serving for the Saints Network. Sounds like we're making excuses. Sounds like we're, we're saying, oh, you know, like the team, you lost nine to nothing. But let's look on the bright side. You lost nine to nothing. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't look on the bright side. You know, if you had some old prophet that could come in and say, let me tell you now what's been happening. Well, guess what? We're the old prophet. Speak for yourself. (laughs) And somebody has to say it. And um, calling those things that be not as though they are. So anyway. I'm a rambling man. You're right. We are going all over the place. I'm writing down little things that we've talked about here because we're supposed to be contributing snippets of descriptives for each of these programs. <laughs> going up. Oh my goodness. Of course, how do how do you how do you encapsulate the chit in the chat? Especially when it's pneumata chit and pneumata chat. Did I, during my ramblings there, did the Spirit stir anything in you that thou wouldest say? No, I just, I I think the Lord is speaking prophetically, and I, I mean, I do want to encourage all the saints to, to heed the directives or just be sensitive to the Lord and, and how he's leading you. You know, it just, I mean, just talking about the altar was just, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's hard for it not to feel redundant because, I mean, that, that's something that we've lived for many, many years. But at the same time, um, there's always fresh breath. I mean, there's always, his word is alive. And if I am a prophet, which that's probably still debated, um, I can tell you that that's what the Lord was speaking was get to the altar and, and heed these words and, and, and make yourself available in his house as the servant that he's called you to be and, and, and acknowledge that and, and know that um, the tide is rising and and we have a responsibility as intercessors and as servants to as ministers i mean when you think about the word minister it it's the same word for servant <laughs> jesus used it over and over again and it is interchangeable with servant and so what's the greatest way that we can serve him is as a sacrifice of praise and as as one that commits ourselves as that one that is willing to die for him and you know it's 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 an interesting thing you know you can go back just to the simple gospel you were talking about the sacrifice of our sins and 
You know, we don't talk about that stuff very often anymore. But he saved us that we might have eternal life. But we still live in this flesh. And, 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 and he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome the sins of our flesh. But we still have to, to, to take that responsibility to, to, to be on the altar and to, to become like him. And then to be sanctified, you know, and you can bring the whole washing of the water into the, into the picture of the baptism or whatever. It's not like we have to be baptized every day, but I almost feel like we do, <laughs> right? Because you think about, you think about when, when the children of Israel, he was saving them from the bondage of Egypt and, and the whole death angel thing. And he told them to put the blood over the, over the doorpost. And, and, and that saved them from the death angel. And for us, that saved us, and that gave us eternal life, that blood. But then he took them to the Red Sea, and with the enemy coming up behind them with Egypt, which was sin, coming up behind them, and, and took them through, opened up that sea, and took them through that, and then that water washed the enemy, which represented sin, and bondage to sin through the washing of the water and delivered them from that. And so blood and water, I, I, was, I was studying about just the correlation between, or I guess the significance of blood and water um, last week. And it, it's just amazing. I mean, just the whole fact that blood and water came out of him when they punctured him in his rib. You know, it's just, and that this is a whole other discussion, so I don't know why I'm taking us down this road, but I just know that the Lord is saying a lot of things, and we definitely need to heed His directive. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's it's interesting. I'm I'm looking at this passage in Hebrews six, and. Um, um it's you're leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, let us go on. That's an interesting phrase. And then in verse 3, if God permit. Those are the those are the the hinges of all of these things, uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, laying in of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. You, you, you leave those things and you go on. And I wonder if, you know, the leaving is, um, is to send forth. It's not abandoning. Uh, Fieme, it's, it's to, um, um, to send forth, and there's a lot that could be said about that. But um, so it's a, it's a launching point where you recognize this stuff we 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 have and it's necessary, but it's a launching point, and so we go on. We have to go on. I've got to go on. That's an old hymn. Um. And if God permit, that's that. This we this will we do if God permit. That's a that's a weird thing. Epitrepo. 
um, which is kind of a, a jurisdicting word. Um, if God, I don't know. We're out of time. But we thank you for being willing to join us today. Again, we are very sad to have missed last week. But um, happy f for more reasons than one to be able to, um, to speak these words <laughs> to you. Yeah, I was I was thinking a, f a few minutes ago about how in the early days we were experiencing things in God for the first time, so that was exciting. We were dealing with people who were were in the flesh, resisting it and resisting us. That was a new thing, and we were being confronted by enemy influences that were largely mystified by what God was doing and what it was like it caught the enemy totally off guard and the, the a lot of the things we learned about from the scripture about the characteristics of the princes of the dark world were because the theatrons that would afford us to be able to see them and to see them react without strategy. That was the weird thing. They were trying to, they were trying very much to seduce and to trip up to, for us to miss the measure of development in the scripture or, or to instill pride making offers, those kinds of things. And when somebody does that, they're, they're really manifesting who they are. And there's not a whole lot of strategy other than to just say, you know, we got to stop this. We got to corrupt it. We, we don't know what's going on. But now, those things that were first things are normative for us. They're still precious, but they're normal. So the the honeymoon, as it were, of that is is by virtue of the meaning of the word is not there. And the opposition is not so much in the camp, it's in the world system. And the enemy strategy is there, but there's a there's not a there's not a curiosity now. There's a disdain. And there's, there are strategies. And there are things that we didn't deal with in those early days. I mean, the big ones we dealt with. But things that Revelation speaks about, we're seeing manifestations that could not have come on the line until now. And they've been loosed. And so there's a difference between what we experienced in the, in the early days and what we're experiencing now. So it's, it's different. So how do we survive? Well, we have to keep praying. We have to keep spending time praying in diversities of tongues and spending time before the Lord. Recognizing that the normal, the normal channel of interpretation 
is not going to be as immediately clear as we've been used to because you've got a lot of things you've got to bring together and really test your pneumonicos interpretive skills to be able to process them. That's just what deeper measures require. And you've got to be willing to recognize, to, to stand your ground. You've got to be willing to recognize that when you are confronted in the, in the realm, uh, what you do about it. And the first thing you do about it is what you don't do. Um, you don't give up. You don't surrender. You don't run away. You don't make things worse. And that's easier said than done. Um, but the principle of the stand is essential right now. Uh, and I, I end with this. You know, the famous story from World War II when Hitler had the blitz, had the, the bulge where he had those frontline uh, tiger tanks coming through the Ardennes and it came up to Bastogne. And uh, there was there was the uh, the American outpost there, and they refused to surrender. They refused to surrender or let this juggernaut pass by. And the German uh, commander sent a word asking for the surrender of the American troops. And the commander, whose name escapes me right now, sent back that one word: nuts. <laughs> And when the, 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 the German guy took that word back to the commander, the command, that none of the Germans understood, what does that mean? What does that mean? And we don't use that word now. We, we would say somebody's nuts, if, uh, if, meaning they're crazy. But back then it meant, no way, but in a more derogatory way. And I think, I think we need to, to recognize that we're holding the fort in, a, in an unusual way right now. Um, and it's imperative that we withstand through the power of the cross. And um, if the enemy tries to get us to abandon post or surrender, we just have to send back nuts to him. It ain't happening. So there's your military history for the day. It's told by old Uncle Ronnie. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we, we're very much appreciative of, of all of you. And we do think of you and pray for you. Um, um, we will miss having you here in person in March. But... Um, we're going to certainly do our best to present this virtual seminar and deliver the goods of what the Father has sent. So, tomorrow, Wednesday night live, and um, uh, we just look forward to being with you again soon. Till then, God bless you all, and goodbye.